Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But who we are in private when no one else is around is a truer sense of who we are as a Christian and, and how we are at work. How, we, how are we at on, on vacation? When we're at a sports event, does our life continue to reflect the, the nature of Jesus in us, the very Spirit of God? Does it reflect in all of our life and all of our conduct? See, we can't just compartmentalize our life and say, I'm this way at home, I'm this way at church, I'm this way at work. God wants to make you consistent across all, all He wants to level the playing field. So that you are the same way, whether you are in the White House, you're the same way whether you're in the Department of Motor Vehicles, God help you. Um, you're the same way wherever you go. everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today Pastor Rob begins a three-part series to finalize chapter 1 of Peter's first epistle. We learn today that Jesus is not only our hope, but he asks us to be holy in all of our conduct because he is holy. During our Christian life, we've already found that being holy is an impossible task on our own. It is through the presence of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit that enables us to be holy as he is holy. Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesian church that we should be imitators of God and walk in love. And now, if you have your Bible handy, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And let's join Pastor Rob. This morning, let's open up to 1 Peter, and we're going to look, we're going to finish the chapter... We've been in this chapter for quite a long time. I, you know, we don't normally spend this much time on a, on a chapter, but this chapter is filled with so many things. And so uh, it's good for us to take our time and, and to go through it and, and, and strain as much out of it as we can. And so we're going to begin in uh, verse 13. But before we get there, you know, Peter is sharing with us this living hope. You remember in verses 3 through 12, he speaks of this heavenly inheritance, this living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and he also goes in and, and talks about how our faith is tested because the, new, the first century church that was going through it during this time, these Jews and Gentiles that were scattered all over the Roman Empire, they were going through difficulty. Their faith was being tried and tested and and, and Peter would say, your faith is going to be tested. It's going to, be, uh, it's going to come through finer than gold in the end because God is refining you, and that is the whole purpose of these things, is to try you, to, to, um, to, to get the most out of you. God wants to do that. And, and sometimes that, that, that just doesn't come through osmosis. It doesn't come through easy uh, events in our life. They, they are, oftentimes we go through very difficult things. And then he goes on and talks about just the, the sufferings uh, of Christ and, and the glories that should follow. And then he says, therefore, in verse 13, he says, Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God." And since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because, and here he quotes the Psalms, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But here it is, the word of God endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And so we're looking at that. Uh, We're going to be looking really at verse 15 through the end here. But he says, gird up the loins of your mind. And um, look at verse 15. He says, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. You know, it is easy to act a certain way when we are around each other in this building But who we are in private when no one else is around is a truer sense of who we are as a Christian and and how we are at work, how how are we on on vacation, when we're at a sports event. Does our life continue to reflect the the nature of Jesus in us, the very Spirit of God? Does it reflect in all of our life and all of our conduct? See, we can't just compartmentalize our life and say, I'm this way at home, I'm this way at church, I'm this way at work. God wants to make you consistent across all, all he wants to level the playing field so that you are the same way, whether you are in the White House, you're the same way whether you're in the Department of Motor Vehicles, God help you, um, you're the same way wherever you go, wherever you go. And in that word, that word conduct, and I like it in the King James, it says conversation. <laughs> it reads, but as he was called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conversation. Certainly in conversation as you speak, but it's really speaking of conduct. And this word literally means your manner of life, your behavior. Your behavior. And this morning we read uh, our saying songs about being holy, being separate. Being separate is so important in the world we live in today. God has called you to be holy. He says, as I am holy, be holy. And holy, unfortunately, in our culture is a four-letter word. It's a word that is derogatory. And holiness is not something, or holiness is something, I'm sorry, that is not sought after today in the world. Only a Christian will seek holiness. But let people think what they think and let them say what they say. But you be holy as God is holy. And this kind of conviction can only come as a result of the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Spirit of God. Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be set apart? Are you afraid to be set apart? Are you afraid of what others will think of you? 
That's one of the hallmarks of being born again is, and, and being baptized with the Spirit of God. It's boldness. Not, not in rash, uncaring, uncompassionate ways, but in very loving ways. You can be bold and you can be the most loving person. There was no other person on the earth who was more bold and more loving than Jesus. And you never saw him yelling and screaming and holding his Bible up and yelling at people on the corner. You never saw him uh, using verses out of context to condemn those around them. Even unbelievers, you know, still in their sin, God still loves them. He's not angry with them. He died for them. In our lives, the things that we say, the things that we do, those things ought to attract people. Like the fruit that's hanging off our, our limbs. Are those, is that fruit hanging off your limbs? Is that pleasing to the eye? Is it something that people can say, you know what, there's something about this person, I don't understand it, but they're, they're different than anybody else. There's a holiness about them, there's a separateness about them, and they're not ashamed of it. They embrace it, they know who they are, they know who they are more than I do. What is going on? Why do I not have this security in my own being and who I am? It's because they don't know their creator. And if you don't know your creator, you are off kilter. You are going to be always off on the compass. You're going to be aimless walking through life, not knowing where you're going. And yet God wants to give you purpose. But we live in this culture where it says in Isaiah, it says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Have you ever been called Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes? I have. And you know what? Embrace it, especially if you're walking in the Spirit. Don't be afraid of being called holy. I'd rather be called holy, but the, the, the impetus lies on me then to walk as Christ would walk. If I'm walking around like I'm sucking on lemons, you know, like some kind of, you know, living in an ivory tower, yes, I'm born again and... You're nothing or beneath me. I went to Oxford and uh, I just I can't stand being around people like you. But I, however, have attained holiness. Anyway, have you been called Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes? Don't be afraid to be holy. The world right now, the reason why the church is struggling so much is that we're, we're, we're too afraid of being holy. We're too afraid of responding to God and holiness. We're afraid of what we might appear like. I could care less about myself. And I think the closer we get to the Lord, the less we're going to be more conscious of ourselves. We'll be more conscious about his will and who he is and what he wants us to be. And you can do that, folks, in such a loving, gracious way. It doesn't have to be what you see on the corner sometimes. It doesn't have to be maybe the preconceived notion that you have in your head of what a, a real person walking in holiness is. When most people think of that, they think of the man who looks like he sucked on lemons. But see, we ought to be the kind of people that are loving. And everything we say, everything we do adds up. It adds up. When you finally do the thing at that calculation at the bottom, it says Christian. You add up all the stuff, and it's just Christian at the bottom. That's what it all adds up to be. I'm a Christ one, walking in Christ. In verse 16, he says, Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And God demands that we are holy, because that's who he is. He wants to consecrate us. He wants to separate us from the world, from the kingdom of darkness, under the kingdom of light. And our worldview ought to be responding. We ought to be ref- um, our worldview ought to be what's in the Bible. We talked about that last week. Forget about whether you're Republican or Democrat. You're a Christian first. 
I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about what's in here. And hopefully you'll hold me accountable because I want to live this. I want to live Christ. I want my life to be a reflection of this and what he says in this book. Because my opinion doesn't even matter, but what's in this book does matter. Does it matter to you? Because this, folks, has been around for a long time. It's an old, ancient book, a love letter that, guess what? It's still alive very much today. All your novels that you read and you put out at your your, uh, garage sale for 25 cents, they are written, they're read, and they're gone forever. But this thing, the Word of God, uh, remains forever, and it will abide forever. Everything else will fall away, but the Word of God abides forever. Amen? Believe it and live it and read it like it is. Read it like it is. Last week, we looked at Leviticus, uh, a few chapters, where God just really uh, exhorted the Israelites to, to be consecrate, to consecrate themselves. Another word for, for um, just setting yourself apart, being holy, being holy. And if you remember, we're not, this is a review here, but we went, we went into the book of Daniel. We looked at the first chapter, and we saw Daniel, if you remember, in chapter 1, how this uh, young man with a sterling character, he loved God with all of his heart, and he grew up in a family that loved God. And when he was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and taken captive into Babylon, he never went back on what he knew to be true. He said, you know what? And, and Nebuchadnezzar wanted to take all the young people, those who looked beautiful, those who had great minds, great intellects, he wanted to brainwash them for a season and then bring them before uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and they would serve him. He took the best of the Jewish people, the Jewish young people, and Daniel and his three fellows were among those. And you remember, they resisted the, the food and the diet of the king, almost to their own peril and almost to their caregivers, the, the prince of the eunuchs. It almost cost him his head, but God had favor to them, and they decided, no, we're going to live holy lives. We're not going to give in to the, the putrescent ways of the world. We are going to live the way God has told us to live. And so you remember that we did that, and Daniel lived a consistent life, a life consecrated due to this, and his excellent, or his witness was excellent, and perhaps to the saving of a corrupt, ungodly man. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar seeing this young man in his court growing in favor of God upon him. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar gives it up, I believe. And he's in heaven, I believe, as we speak. But we don't need to be afraid to live a consecrated life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, we're just going to look at a few scriptures here. And you can write these down, but I'm just going to read them to you. But remember... Don't be afraid to live a consecrated life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. He says, You are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Now he says, Now you be the light of the world. You go out, and with the very Spirit of God in you now, you can be a light to a very dark world, a world that is lost in its sin, bound for hell a world that there's no hope for apart from Christ Jesus. There's no hope in this world apart from Christ. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a great and awesome responsibility that is. 
And boy, you cannot do it apart from the Spirit of God either. You will cower in fear. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I've cowered in fear. And there comes a point, brothers and sisters, where we have to get and we say, Lord, I'm not satisfied where I'm at right now. I'm not satisfied with the status quo of my Christianity. I want to go deeper with you. And God wants to take you deeper. Surrender your life again today. Don't take the status quo and just rest in it. You must go deeper. He wants to bring you deeper. He wants your life to be worth something. And you know what? When you're living a life that glorifies him, you're going to be excited. It's going to be something that's just going to jazz you every morning you wake up. And you're going to feel like, man, I just can't wait to get at it. (laughs) That's the way I feel every morning lately. I'm just like, I can't wait to get here. I can't wait to get into the Word. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait to do what we're doing right now. I love this. (laughs) So we want our light to shine, not so that we can bring attention to ourselves, but that people would ultimately glorify the Father which is in heaven. And know we prove that we love Jesus by being obedient and shining as lights for him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I think the alternate is true. If we don't love him, then you don't. But if you do love him, Keep his commandments. Are his commandments grievous? Are they, are they, um, uh, they're good, aren't they? They're very good, his commandments. Love the, he summed it up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. From this hangs all the law and the prophets. And that's a, a summary of something really simple. But let me tell you, there's, there's a, within that is packed a great amount of, of, of life. Okay, it sounds very simple, but in reality, in practical means, it's very demanding because it requires us to deny ourselves. It requires us to, to, to crucify this old man, this old nature, and let the new nature, which is the Spirit of God in us, if you're born again, let that new nature dominate that old, sinful, whacked nature. <laughs> let the Spirit of God come in and just set a, a lead weight and just crunch that old nature. The world needs to see it. Perhaps the reason why there's such a decline in churches today is, and I believe this to be true, is they don't see the real witness in the church. And I'm not blaming you. I'm not, you know, take this with a, you know, as a church, as as a whole in, in the church, a visible church. We we have to really think about this. We need to let people know that there's something worth dying for. Not that we need to strap C4 to our bodies and blow people up in the marketplace like the, the Islam does. God doesn't call us to do that. He'd rather have you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, being a light to those around you. That is the harder thing. Blowing yourself up is just getting wigged out on drugs or, 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 or hoping and, then, and just closing your eyes and pulling a cord. It's a cowardly way. But to live a life for Christ? Oh, whole different thing. Cowards blow themselves up. Real Christians will live the life for Christ. They will live for him because they love him. And they know that other people need to know him too because there is a wide road that's leading to destruction. And many there are be that are on it. And Jesus said, narrow is the way, narrow is the, the gate that leads to everlasting. And few are there that are on that path. So it behooves us to inform those who are on that broad path and that broad gate, going through that broad gate. There's a better way. You've got to stop. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Will you give up your life and serve him? Your life. Let him be your life. He's done the dying. 
You have to live for him. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And do not be drunk with wine, verse 18, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the idea is being sober, walking circumspectly, knowing you live in a fishbowl. You're on display. Your faith is on display everywhere you go. People are watching. Neighbors are watching. Family is watching you. Is this really true? You know, I remember when I first got saved, my mom and my family, they were probably thinking, well, this is just a phase. He'll, he'll, he'll burn out on this and he'll be on to something else, right? But it never, it never happened. It never happened because what happened to me was real. Jesus came into my life. I've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. I'm going to heaven. Are you going to heaven? <laughs> yes. If you're a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven. Even, if, even with your compromise, even with your sin that you commit every now and then, if you, you just need to confess it. But if you're a born-again believer, you are going to heaven in spite of your imperfections, in spite of your failures. God is working. Sanctification is a process. It's going to take time. Learn to hate the sin as much as he hates it, and you'll do it less. We, we don't, we're not sinless, but we ought, as a Christian, to sin less. Amen? We're not perfect people. The world needs to know that too. We're not walking around holier than thou with the lemon in our mouth, you know, from, from, from Oxford, you know. We're not, we're not that way. I resisted. <laughs> Redeeming the time. In 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, let me just read verse 3 to you, actually. He says, And everyone who has this hope in him, the hope of Christ, because that's really the... the the subject of this whole chapter is a living hope. Anyone who has this hope in Christ, this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. We are purified already by the blood of Christ, but obviously, practically speaking, we need to put away things and put on things, right? We need to put off those things of darkness and put on the robes of righteousness, put on those things that Jesus told us to. You know, one of the problems in the, in the church, and I'm not speaking necessarily here so much, but in, in the visible church, is that people are trying to be cool to win the world to Christ. Trying to be cool. Be consecrated. Not cool. Just like Daniel and his three fellows. Today we don't want to stick out and appear holier than thou, but the fact is we need to be holy Verse 17, and if God, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, God is not partial. He sees everyone the same. He doesn't look upon the Jew and say, well, I favor him over the Gentile. God says there's no partiality with God. So if you call on the Father who without partiality, he judges according to each one's work. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what corporation you're the president of. It doesn't matter if you own uh, Washington, D.C. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does matter is your heart. And he says in that same verse, he says, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in fear. You know, Peter makes it sound as if we are at a bed and breakfast for the weekend. 
your stay here. <laughs> Conduct your stay here in fear, right? And what does it say in James? It says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor. It is even a vapor that appears for a time and then vanishes away. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.